Hello, and welcome to Indiepocalypse Radio. Did I say it was still 7 to 9? Did I screw that up? Oh, no, I do that sometimes. No, no, I didn't. Oh, you know what? Is it on my calendar? Is there someone on there that... <laughs> I Listen, I, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I really do the chat. It, did, I, did I never change my <laughs> calendar to say that the show was not... Um, switched to 2 to 4 and was always 7 to 9? Where where are calendars on Twitter? In the bio. Okay. Oh, no. I forgot to also update the guests. The guests. So it's a surprise who the guests are today. Um, For this surprise, speaking of surprises, surprise, I am your host, Andrew. I am the creator, editor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera of Indiepocalypse, basically the things that are not the games within Indiepocalypse, except for that brief stint where I was making, what you call it, uh, where I was making tabletop games based on 69 love songs. Then, and then at that point, technically I was including games in there, but, but I generally don't have games in there. I, I don't have, t- who has time to make games? Who has time? Speaking of people that, uh, don't have time to make games. We've got some people here that do have time to make games. Oh, I did say live. I'm so on top of everything else, though. Um, so we've got our first guest who you may know. Did I say? Yes, I did say who I was. I did say who, what Indiepocalypse was. Okay. Um, our first guest here, who you may know from issue 32. Oh, no, I closed my... No, I moved it over there. There it is. Yeah, issue 32 of Indiepocalypse with Reunion. It's Ghoulish Kid. Hello. Hi. I am Quinn, known yes. on Ishio and Twitter as Ghoulish Kid. Thank you for having me. Happy yes. to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here and in both in both senses of uh, actively on the show, but also, you know, in the zine. No, it was, it was uh, it's an honor to be in the zine. I've been I've been keeping an eye on on the zine for a while. When you said that uh, before the show, when you said that it's only been around for two years, I was kind of surprised because I feel like I've been hearing about it for longer. But I guess what is time and yeah. everything? Okay. So, oh, technically, the zine has been around for three years. Ah, uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the radio show has get out of here. I want to offer you promotion. I want to offer you a ban. How do I do all this crap? <laughs> <laughs> this, this this used to happen, but then it stopped happening. Um, and now, anyway, yeah, yeah. So the the show is about a little, just a little over two years old, and the zine is it's turning three in January. Oh, it's a toddler. <laughs> yes, it's it's starting to walk around. Um, and in a few years, I can start making jokes jokes about hey, when's this thing paying rent? You know. <laughs> this is its like tantrum year. <laughs> it is uh, uh, this year is my this year is my tantrum year. <laughs> yeah, Sam. <laughs> I, I that is something I've been like uh spam. That is something I've been thinking about a lot. This how the hell do you just uh, ban things? <laughs> I there, I feel like there should be like a button that says get rid of this person's post. <laughs> Ban them. There they are. There's like 8 million things. You can block them, you can report them. And then you have to All the options. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've 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 been thinking a lot about my own sort of 
negative attitude this year. <laughs> but um, I, I've kind of. But speaking of uh, Indie Apocalypse being around for a while and keeping an eye on it for a while, uh, I've got a. I've got to wonder because that leads perfectly into the number one Indie Apocalypse question that leads off every show. Um, how did you hear about Indie Apocalypse? Yeah, so I've been uh, kind of in a couple of different indie game development uh, online spaces or whatever you would call that for for a long time. So definitely been a part of some Discord groups, and uh, I've been on you know game development Twitter until recently, as Twitter as Twitter has been falling apart. I've been on it less. Yeah, but yeah. um, but yeah, I think I must have heard about the zine on probably either Twitter or Itch because I'm also always looking out for game jams, and I might have seen the game jam floating around, like yeah. the game jam submission floating around. But um, but yeah, I remember I always I thought it was so cool, like the because I'm I'm a huge fan of zines as well, yeah. so I always thought it was a really cool idea to kind of do. And now that there's a there's a podcast as well, it's like. I like multimedia projects like that, so yeah. I, I was always kind of curious about it. Um, but yeah, prob- probably on Twitter or Itch. Perfect, perfect. Uh, hopefully Itch will do just fine <laughs> in the future. Uh, 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 Twitter, but... Um, yeah, R.I.P. Yes, R.I.P. I don't, and I, I have... I have, I have I'm one of those people who has zero trust for hive because because everyone adopted it so quickly and everyone defended it so fiercely that i was like what's going on about this (laughs) you're like wait a second now i'm suspicious (laughs) i'm like is i'm like is this a is this a psyop yeah right too good to be true (laughs) right right why is why is everyone suddenly like why did hive take because it just looks like it Um, yeah i don't know i'm i'm always uh, maybe it's just because um, I'm I'm sort of I've taken myself essentially off social media yeah. in the past few years just because I've realized like this isn't like uh, this isn't benefiting me like they you know they're they're making money off of me but I'm right. not getting anything from them right so um, maybe I just have a negative attitude about it but I do get suspicious of new social media platforms like when when Be Real came around I was like oh that sounds cool but it's like it's just gonna end up being a way for people to still get like the likes that they crave or whatever, right? right? Yes, like. that's. I, I think the, the smartest thing co-hosts can do is not have numbers, because you can't. Yeah. Because like, uh, like your hot take cannot have a lot of numbers. So you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna make a, a take it, then everyone's gonna high five me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it can still happen, but nobody else sees it. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I was I thought it was pretty. I know people don't like it, but I thought it was cool when YouTube removed. Like dislikes, you know. Yeah. I just, you know, why do you need it? You don't need it. Right, right. The only, the only, um, thing to mourn was I liked that people, uh, a true bastion of human goodness was people maintaining that neutral, that neutral rating on that one Futurama video. Wait, which video? There's uh, like a clip from Futurama where I, where I imagine it's been a long time since I've seen the show. But I imagine yeah. like these like uh, aliens who are uh, neutral on something, and the guy was like, "I have no stance or I have no opinion on this," and it was maintained like uh, a a perfectly balanced up a vote and down vote ratio. That's awesome. I love that actually. <laughs> and suppose. Should... Oh, sorry. 
Oh, I was just gonna say they should they should keep the feature for only that video because that's awesome. Supposedly, um, you know, you can still, I you know, I think you can still see them through extensions because the data is still technically there. It's just not visible. And yeah, from, I've heard I've heard about that. Yeah. And from what I've gathered, people are still fighting the good fight. <laughs> that's awesome. Keep that tradition alive. But speaking of fighting the good fight, game dev quite the quite the fight. Uh, so <laughs> tell me a little bit. Like, what is reunion? Yeah, sure. So reunion is a point and click horror uh, game about um, being an adult and you know going to your high school reunion. Um, in the case of this game, it's about uh, just decorating the um, the school audit- auditorium for your reunion. But the whole the whole idea of the game kind of stems, and it's a point-and-click game, so it has those classic point, old-school yeah. point-and-click uh, aesthetics and mechanics, right? So there are puzzles, and um, there's uh, a lot of monologuing and stuff like that, like little quips that the that the character says and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, the idea kind of came out of a lot of self-reflection I was doing, because this was the first game I had made after... Um, the pandemic started, I took a huge break from game dev, just two years, not making any games. And in that time, you know, I was reflecting a lot on kind of like what it means to like be an artist. Like if I'm not making games, right? Like, am I even an artist? Things like that kind of, I I was in sort of a negative, uh, headspace, I guess, about, about making games and stuff thinking, you know, um, I'm not reaching the potential that I thought I had for myself, you know, where I would be someone who made games. Like, I'm not, like, what's my identity if I'm not that person, right? Yeah, right, yes, <laughs> yes, hi. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure, I think a lot of devs probably relate to, right, to right. Be feeling that. Yeah. I, think, I think that is a problem that is as old as art itself. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, Reunion just kind of came out of that because the character in the game is having the same questions I was having. And I think that was the first time, because a lot of the horror games I make are really, um, like, silly and over-the-top and kind of surreal and not super personal. Um, This was the first game I've made that was as personal as it is, because it was just, it was sort of me funneling all of my thoughts about that through, like, a short horror story. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's... it's, It's especially the sort of thing that I love... Uh, to, I love nothing more than seeing a person within a piece of art. Yeah, and yeah, like that kind of thing is like it's why even in like uh, my own my own like why am I doing this thing, you know, uh, doldrums of like oh you know I I like when I was going back and rebuilding my like building the individual issue pages for my site so that I can have my own store on my site i was like i like all these games these games are these games are good games yeah and it reminds me like uh uh like you said the 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 effectiveness of art to just kind of like get ideas out of our heads and and yeah and try to convey these these feelings we have without like directly saying i felt bad about art for two years yeah, no, exactly. And it's funny that you say that, because as you're saying that, I'm realizing that's what I like about other people's art. But for some reason, it was hard for me to, like, do it myself, I guess, just because it's, it's vulnerable or whatever, right? Yes. But 
<laughs> that is is hard to be it can be hard to be vulnerable you know yeah the most obvious thing about being vulnerable it's in, it's kind of in the name <laughs> right I, I, hate, I hate how weak being vulnerable feel, makes me feel yeah um, I, and I do I do like because I was looking at the page while this happened I do I do like, like that it is working as intended I saw someone be like oh I saw this in the apocalypse and then they went to your page to tell you Ah, I love that. <laughs> it is, it is, it is the the working as intended. Yeah, no, I I really liked to see that that comment. Because I was like, yeah, I I, I, I try uh, sometimes I think ineffectively to try to to try to make this more about, hey, you know, this is this is an avenue to which you find a bunch of developers, not. Hey, indie apocalypse is a a lifestyle you get into, right? Yeah, no, I I definitely, I think I think the zine kind of lends itself to that for sure too, because the zine is just it's it's pared down to just like all of our pages, right? Yeah, and and, and then more recently, some people like the the recommendation of postmortems. I think is a very cool addition. Oh yeah, I had a lot of fun doing my postmortem. That was kind of cool. I think I turned the idea of postmortem on its head a little bit. Yes. It's definitely not a traditional postmortem. No, but... I someone wrote a postmortem that was more or less almost like abstract poetry. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Someone, someone, uh, the, the one of the last guests on the last episode had um, Stanwicks had put um, like just typed out their feelings in like a Google doc and then screenshot of that Google doc. Uh, that's a good aesthetic, a Google doc screenshot. I actually really like that. Yeah. It's like, it, it, it shows like, I look at the, I, I get those and I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. I'm picking the right people. <laughs> they know what's going on. Exactly. That's we're, great. That's... We, we, we are vibing truly. That's like, uh, I appreciate when people do like modern internet aesthetics like that, as opposed to like, kind of like a retro internet aesthetic which i feel like yeah. is really popular i mean i i'm uh, this is ironic that i'm saying this because my game is like a pixel art game yes <laughs> like, yes you know. no i i saw it and i was surprised that I, wait so what is it made in is it like it has it's like made by what is it called i, I don't know what the it's not it's in unity right yeah it's in unity so but, i used i used power quest which that's is what I thought. A, okay. yes yeah that is like a, a tool to make um to make point and click games in Unity, which is excellent, by the way. And the people, the developers um, at Powerhoof made it. Yeah. And they helped me out so much. Anytime I ran into bugs, I would like, I would DM them on Discord. They were amazing. So I recommend PowerQuest if you want to make uh, adventure games. It's a great yes, tool. If, if you want to make adventure games and you're not like a, uh, a complete weirdo pervert who wants to use Adventure Game Studio still, it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's probably a good way to go. That's so funny that you say that because I've been looking at that tool for a while, but it is—it looks a little old school for oh, sure. It's—it's it's the first thing I started in ever making games was Adventure Game Studio. Oh yeah, how is it? It's—it's it's, if you want to make an adventure game, it's amazing. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, uh, I'm, I might check it out down the I'm—I'm I, I am on the record in saying that maybe, uh, uh, game of my game of the whole year, uh, Perfect Tides, was made in Adventure Game Studio. Oh, I so. don't think I've heard of that one. Oh, it's it's. Wait, did that technically come out this year, or did I just play it this year? And it, no, I think it did come out this year. Yeah, because this year was like, 
a banner year for me personally because Perfect Tides came out and then a new Octopus Pie came out and I was like, I am feasting this year as as a <laughs> huge, huge. Um, uh, if you're familiar with Octopus Pie, um, it's a, I guess now still a very long running uh, webcomic. It was oh. done for a long time, but then it came back for like a, a kind of like a big chunk drop. Anyway, it's about people in New York and life and it's good. <laughs> but um, Perfect Tides. Man, I'll, I'll have to check both of these out because I looked up Perfect Tides and this looks extremely up my alley. So. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's, I, to not get too distracted talking about this game. It, it, it's it's kind of like the perfect thing why I have issues with um, the the aesthetic and the kind of like culture around wholesomeness. Yeah. Because I feel like this game is has um, earnest wholesomeness in it, but it's also like extremely messy and people can be very terrible to each other sometimes, but... Yeah. I think it's also like people are also uh, uh, connect sometimes on deep levels and are uh, for lack of a better word, wholesome with one another. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting that you say that I'm drawn to the same stuff. Like I definitely, especially as I'm, as I continue to make games, I'm, I'm definitely more interested in making characters that are like, you know, selfish people and yeah. like people who are fucked up like anybody is right. Right, More than right. I am making just like a cut and dry hero character. It reminded me a lot of when I was like, uh, uh, we we talked in, you know, like the the difference between, um, sometimes you'll see like very very well intentioned dudes making uh good female characters and then like, uh, uh women making female characters and they're just like messed up weirdos. <laughs> oh yeah that just... those are the best uh female characters to read in books as well like i really like atessa moshveg she she made eileen if you've ever heard of that book uh, the lead I... character in that book is so messed up it's a great book <laughs> yeah I, I i i do not read a lot because uh, let's not get into my <laughs> neuroses of like well, it's too much literature. I could never read all literature, but I technically could watch all movies or whatever. You know? Hell yeah. <laughs> um, that, that leads me to not uh, read as much. But yeah, no, I love, I love like messed up little freaks. And <laughs> and, and I, I think there is, I, I don't like it when uh, people sort of like overcorrect to creating, uh, you know, positive role models. Which yeah. Is, which is like, because it, it also, I mean, that kind of uh, uh, dovetails into the same issue where sometimes, especially when people come down like, you know, queer creators for not making the right kind of queer character, you know? Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because it's like, this character is, how dare you make this character an asshole? <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. Some, I've definitely noticed that it's, uh, yeah, you're in, you're in between a rock and a hard place as, as a queer developer or creator or whatever, because it's sort of like, 
you know, people people were like, oh, we really need like new content, like different yeah. different stories about gay people, right? And then and then you make like a unique story about a gay person that's coming from your authentic expression. Yeah. But then it's like it doesn't apply to every scenario, or it's not perfect right. for every person, so it's bad, right? It's like right. yeah, or, or like no, 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 we made a cuddly version of it. <laughs> that's- yeah. That's why I do my part to keep the just put the messiest queer bullshit I can in the apocalypse. Dude, that's the way you got to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Like, and it's like it's our yeah. I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, listen, because it's you know, messy queers got to support messy queers. You know, so true. I'm uh, making a. I'm working on a game right now. Well, I've just started sort of the idea and a little bit of the writing process, but yeah. the lead character is uh, is like basically a shut-in because uh, she's so afraid of dying that she doesn't want to leave the house. All right. And that's sort of uh, that sort of stems out of some of my like weird neuroses shit. So yeah, and I'm just like excited to write about that for some reason. Like I'm like oh. I want to. I want to write somebody whose life is just like a wreck. I don't know why I'm drawn to that, but I just feel yeah. like it's. Maybe <laughs> oh. it's because life feels like a wreck since the right. pandemic. And I, I want to write. About that. Yes, yes. I wonder. I wonder if, if um, constant living a life of constant chaos and like a, a whole generation of people being brought up and being like, uh, you if there was a time when things were like normal. Oh yeah, Gen Z. Poor Gen yeah. Z, man. They're like, yeah. they're like, oh, things were normal at one time, or normal-ish, you know? Yeah, right. They were yeah. forced in the fire. They'll never know different. Right, right, right. Bread and pure chaos. That's why they're all unionizing. When I was <laughs> hell yeah. But when it, when I was in high school, it's like, oh, what? No, I get an extra twenty dollars if I don't unionize. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But now, now, now you learn from eight years old that you like, no, no, <laughs> I, the boss makes a dollar. I make a dime as they say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I know when I use them at the bathroom, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, it, I wonder if it just like skipped a generation because like my my much older grandparents were like surprised that a local like grocery store was not unionized was not unionized yeah 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 so they were like i, I think there was probably like an expect there was like this gap in expectation where it's like i think maybe we just like unions helped a lot and then people had it too good and they forgot <laughs> what they provided yeah, no, there, I, there was, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge history buff, but like, yeah. you know, I do feel like there was a period where politically there was more, there's more of a focus on like workers' rights, and then we kind yeah. of, we kind of left that era, I, um, and I, now, and now we're coming back I, into it. A little bit. I took AP history in high school and read Howard Zinn's of People's History of the United States. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I am aware of some of this. I did not retain. I'm, but I'm not like a a, a labor movement scholar. <laughs> Right, right. But also, you know what? And that's also the thing is fighting against. Like, you don't need to be. Not everyone needs to be a labor union scholar. You right. Be, yeah. You you could you don't have to be kind of like that's the tricky thing I've been finding was like not having to be perfect and like it's fine to be corrected by people sometimes, or oh, or definitely. all the time. It helps to know someone who's really interested in that kind of stuff. Like I I have a brother who's incredibly smart and really into like reading you know like 
all about French and German history and shit like that. And he'll just yeah. sit and tell me all these things. I'm like, great. I don't have to do any of the work. <laughs> I right, just learn right. from you, right? Yeah, it's the benefit of humans. We share our information with each other. Yeah, exactly. It's like all animals do that. They all share information, or, or a decent number of them. Yeah, but, no, it's cool. It's cool to think of it that way. But um, that was one of the the two. I uh, uh, to not be the guy who mentioned story metal too early on in the show, but I think there's two important things that people ought to learn sometimes, and it's to to remember everything that we have in our existence our microphones our phones our computers our tvs everything around us came from somebody it, it did not um, uh, materialize from the ether yep and and also we're just animals and other animals are other animals and i've been i've been like thinking more consciously about interacting with like you know for instance cat pet cats as if like no we are other animals i am not a a, a, a your master yeah having a more kind of like mutual relationship with them but speaking of uh mutual relationships and something i don't have a mutual relationship with at all is the long-running series toho and quinn I, a question for mochi is um do you have a favorite toho character toho so that's gonna I, be I a, gotta say i also don't know what that is that's it, an animation an animated series okay so toho to the best of my ability to explain it very quickly, is that it's um, uh, a, a Japanese indie game, doujin games as they're often called, or doujin games as they're often called. Um, I think primarily like a, a shmup or bullet hell made probably like uh, early 2000s, late 90s. And it's kind of spiraled off because the creator is fine with people kind of like using the characters for a lot of other things. And it's primarily a bullet hell series, but it's uh, sometimes other things. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm totally out of that whole world. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I have a favorite. I am, t I am too, but it's, it's a cool thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately. My, fa my favorite character is your favorite character, the person I don't have who asked the question. I don't have a favorite character either because this is we are still as as of uh, officially as of December third, two thousand and twenty two. We have not entered Andrew's year of Toho. So <laughs> I meant that I meant the question asker. Oh but... yes, okay. <laughs> so Whatever their favorite is is my favorite. I'm I'm the people's I'm I'm the people's uh, person. I just like yeah. what the people like. And this question was not officially asked, but it's always asked, and so I would do. I, would, I feel like I'd be doing soul a disservice uh, if they are not here. Which is, do you have a favorite rock? Favorite rock, like yeah. a kind of rock. A kind of rock. Let me think. You know, I am. I am a, a stone enjoyer. Like, I don't think this is like a, a an official kind of rock. But when you're like you, when you're on a rocky beach, like. Yeah one of those cold rocky beaches and you find just a really smooth stone that's perfect for skipping that's my favorite kind of stone Quinn, I'll to let you know that's not the first time that stone has come up i don't think oh really <laughs> yes and and i am also a lover of abstract concepts of stone so i am a fan of people who just like understand it's like the 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 a stone in the abstract exactly yeah i'm not i'm not i'm well read on stone types but that yeah. is that's the one that pleases the brain the most you know? right yeah you know what when it comes down to it 
It's all shit we all made up anyway. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> true. Well, I mean, there are different types of stones, but they're classified. They're like we make up a lot of stuff. It's, don't, don't don't forget that humans kind of made up most of the stuff. <laughs> I want to go up to a geologist and be like, "Listen, your your whole sh- all your shit is made up." <laughs> As, then they'll they'll look back at you and they'll be like, "Everything is." Why? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So much of human anxiety is just, as they say, working ourselves into a shoot. <laughs> Man, that's kind of um, that's kind of hopeful in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're just we... working yourself up. It's fine. <laughs> right, right. Like I'm getting very upset about a thing that I just created. I we I invented. Why do I? Nothing is making this happen. Why can't <laughs> I sleep on a couch? Well, I mean, I know why I can't because money. But right. Why can't I not curl up on someone else's clothes for eight hours a day, eat, and then return to doing that for another eight hours? Oh my god, that cat lifestyle. I get yeah. so jealous of my cats. I have two, and they just do whatever they want, man. They live without limits. <laughs> it's a blissful life. But anyway, before we get uh, too caught in cat talk, Quinn, thank you for being here. Our time is already, already zipped by, if you can believe Look at it. That. It's wild. Oh. Uh, uh, but once again, thank you. Um, I hope you will stick around for the what we are calling the group segment at the end. Of course. Yeah, happy to hang uh, out. Um, but until then, I'll, we're going to go on break, and then I'll be back in like um, a minute and five. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Welcome back to Indiepocalypse Radio. That was Dendo Marionette with uh, Waltz for La Tremont. Um, oh, place, all all played over. Ringing it in, it's the it's it's the best movie of all time. Now, you can't do anything about it. The the people have spoken. <laughs> There's no no stopping it. You, if you like other movies, too bad. The movie you did not like is Jean Dillon, 23 Quad de Cumbre, 1080 to Brussels, my very butchered version of that. Um, it's very, that is, is very funny that that is on the top of a list that people would pay attention to because it is such a, uh, I say this as someone who deeply loves that movie. It is such an unlikable movie. Um, but uh sylvie what toho are you playing i need to i need, what is a good toho entry point i need to know what is what is what is what is your what is your instinctual toho to go to while you listen if you're reading um but anyway we're here with our next guest who is not um from indiepocalypse at all um which which does also happen sometimes on the show believe it or not uh you may know you may know our guest like not even from the video game world at all perhaps, but from uh, the Smollett Press, Sword and Kettle Press, it's Kay. Hello. Kay Allen, rather. Hello. Hi. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. The official first uh, friend of the show, friend of the zine, as it were. (laughs) Nice. Uh, I'm honored. I I was like, I got to do something with like this, this ad space since I have to, you know, make pages divisible by four to make zines. (laughs) <laughs> um okay seven or eight i am i'm marking down seven or eight as andrew's first toho but i also might just be a freak and just start at one <laughs> because 
I have no uh, standards. But anyway, yes, welcome. Um, uh, and actually, I can. I I know this is this is the thing where you ask the a question because you know the answer to it. But um, despite being a non uh, game or no not a non game developer, but uh, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Not a non contributor in Apocalypse. Uh, how did you hear about Indiepocalypse? Um, I I think I did actually hear about Indiepocalypse first on Twitter somewhere. Um, uh, when when I was still on there more frequently as well. But um, we met kind of recently um at a local vendors market. Yeah. Um, here in Massachusetts. Um, and we were we had our table set up next to each other for like. I think about six hours. Yeah, that's that's how um, long. <laughs> so it was. Yeah, it was very nice to get to kind of hang out and talk about stuff. And and um, yeah, I was there uh, tabling for Sword and Kettle Press, um, a small indie press that I run. But I'm also um, an RPG designer, um, and it was uh, unexpected and very fun um, to get to sit next to someone else uh, who does both games and publishing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of it's a very I recommend going to your local like craft or punk flea market or whatever, whatever they happen to call them in your neck of the woods if you can every now and then they're they're usually like cool affairs. The last, the last yeah, one. I'm actually I'm not vending at tomorrow's um, uh, hassle flea, but I'm hoping to go to it. Wait, tomorrow there's a hassle flea. <laughs> yeah, one more. They squeezed one in for winter. Okay, I think I just did not get that email. <laughs> <laughs> or, or did I accidentally sign up for it and didn't realize it? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> no, no, because I did two already, and I think I only signed up for two. But anyway, anyway, let's not worry about small administrative <laughs> business right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So weird break. Okay, okay. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to do my best to not get ultra distracted by uh, uh, Toho. But um, yes, no, so. Sword and Kettle Press. What is what? What would you say it is more specifically as a, as a lit small press? Yeah, we are a tiny indie press um, for queer, inclusive, and feminist fantasy uh, and other types of speculative writing. Yeah, and you do. Uh, that would be kind of my my short pitch yes, uh, yeah. for Sword and Kettle. Um, yeah. We publish a, a regular online magazine. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was saying, now what if someone gave you a bunch of time to ramble about it? <laughs> then what would you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, I could definitely, I could keep going for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we we publish kind of a regular online magazine called Corvid Queen um, that's focused on uh, fairy tales, uh, myths, and folklore. Um, we also do a lot of hand bookbinding. Um, we're, we're actually soon kicking off our next... Um, Next project of hand binding eleven hundred books <laughs> yeah. um, between uh, four editors. Um, last time we did hand binding, uh, we were like, "Why did we ever do this to ourselves?" And right. then a couple of years later, we were like, "Hey, we kind of miss hand making books." So, right. right. <laughs> uh, so here we are <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, four hundred books in, you'll be like, "What am I doing with my life?" Once again. Yeah, pretty pretty much exactly, yeah. <laughs> but there's there's also there's nothing quite like the the handmade piece of art, you know? <laughs> That's at least what we like to think. Um 
I mean, it, it is very fun to do. I, I I feel like I'm going to regret this in a little bit, but I am actually very much looking forward to doing it again. Right. Um, it's it's really nice to kind of take it from the digital world, um, where we kind of usually are um, generally and with the press and, and kind of take it and, and make something handmade and, and physical and real. Yeah, there's 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 also something on just, I think, being on the artist side to like, being able to hold the thing that you made. Yeah. It's a very cool feeling. Yeah. It goes like a long way compared to being like, you know, being published digitally is a very good feeling. I'm sure. Too. So I, I hope as someone who exclusively publishes digitally, <laughs> but a uh, bit harder to maybe to uh, physically publish a video game. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine it would be. Especially given that people uh, don't use as many, there's not as many disk drives and computers anymore, which was, <laughs> it's it's really a shame because it's like kind of like the best DIY like data format. Yeah, you know, honestly, during like real quarantine times, all I wanted to do was unearth my CD-ROM copy of Barbie Riding Club. Right. Um, a horseback riding game that I really loved as a kid, but uh, I unfortunately, I think I still have Barbie Riding Club somewhere, but I have no way of playing it. Right, right. Assuming, assuming you could get, even get it into your computer, then there's the other problem of does it run on a modern Windows computer? Yeah, yeah. I feel like the answer is probably not, but I, I haven't crossed the first hurdle of getting it into my computer yet. Yeah, I had to buy well, at at one point I did actually burn CDs for like a a pre-indiepocalypse like mix project that was run by mm -hmm. um what's it called? The um Boston Indies by Chris at over at Boston Indies had set up a booth at at like Hassel before and other local like Boston area shows and he had put it on like codes on the back of floppy disks which was a very cool estate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I like, love that. And, but I'm like, I'm cheap. So I'm going to do, buy a bunch of DVD R's and just burn the, the mixtape to that. The mixtape I say, I think that's, I forget if that's how he, yeah, I think that's how he phrased it. Maybe I don't remember, but, uh, mm, that's a cool way of, of putting it. Yeah. They, it's, it's come across. It's, it's happened twice already now within games. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When two people have an idea at the same time, but they didn't know each each other person had the idea. Mm, I feel like there is a word for that, but I I could not tell you what it is. Yes, well, that word, two th th that <laughs> that happened twice at least in games. Um, um, no, oh, you know, you know what it was. You know what it was. You know the the the, the transition I thought I had is that you and I also, in addition to being uh, small press publishers. Uh, share actually a published author yes yes we do which is like... um yeah shout out to to andrea blythe yes. um who has been published in indiepocalypse and corvid queen right right and that is like I'm like oh right right because when when i that was a kind of um when you had mentioned that it was a a very important kind of like personal like and i guess professional perhaps like thought for me to have and be like oh right, wait of course indie apocalypse doesn't have to be people's like 
hole of revenue. It's because the like with like anthologies and that sort of thing, people get published in like a bunch of different things. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, there's not, I wouldn't say there's a huge amount of money in um, <laughs> uh, indie poetry and short stories. No, no, no. But there's some. <laughs> right, right, right. And, there's, um, and if you get a little there, you get a little indie apocalypse, you get a little somewhere else, you know, it all adds up to a week of groceries maybe, but. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's. The, the couple times I've been paid for my artistic work, it's been very cool just to, like, treat myself to, like, a fancy coffee or something and know, right. like, I I now have this uh, cup of coffee because I did something cool that people liked. Uh, and that, that's a very cool feeling. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, right. And it's, like, I, I had already made this thing, and now it is it is still paying dividends and, it's, mm-hmm. and it can mean, especially like it's why I oh, get up there. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in. The, I'm in the throes of forgetting that I forgot to add the new cover to this month's kind of like screen transition thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. Even the the few times that I've got paid to do things like um, some like some curation work or to the one time to give a talk, it was like yeah, could have money coming my way. I love it. It's yeah. I got paid uh, once in college to um, participate in a professor's research project. Um, it was the theater professor, and he needed um, actors who were trained in the viewpoints method, um, which I was because I had taken that class. So I actually got like money for um, just like going to different rooms around campus and just like doing viewpoints, like not performing for an audience or anything yeah. like that, but like they just like interacting with space. Um, and that's, yeah, the only, um, the only like performing job I've ever been paid for. And it felt so cool. Yeah. I think uh, if you don't realize that even like a, a little bit goes like just a non zero sum of money makes like a big difference especially if it's your very first non-zero sum of money yeah towards being like oh oh i should i should get paid for this thing like Mm -hmm. because i think there is this this especially um and things like twitter were very very bad for like you know the virality kind of style of um you need to be big or you're kind of you're you're gonna be nothing, I think is a yeah, um, not uh not super helpful. No. Um, I would say when when like most... I don't know if you're feeling this now, but we're we're thinking a lot about like how to do stuff kind of without Twitter, right? Yeah, um, right. right now, and that's that's um been both interesting and and challenging. Um. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Just kind of learning how to keep going, kind of without like a major uh, platform that that we've used for many years. Yeah, because it's like for 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 what issues it has, it's very good at reaching a lot of people very quickly. Mm-hmm. And like, if only there was a way that you could use Twitter, but you could be like, no, you're not allowed to actually use it socially. You have to take that somewhere else. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd be in for that. Not not a social network exactly. <laughs> right, right. But like, we just need a big, as people want it to be, like a big town square where I can come and yell about the thing I'm doing. I can, I can, I can post, if you will. Uh, when, when I realized where I think the etymology of, the, of that word comes from, and I was like, "Oh, it's called posting because you put things literally on posts." Um, My gosh, I I, I, I was, never thought about that. <laughs> no, I, I didn't eat it until I was driving, and like a a thing like on a tree or down a road said, "No posting." And I was like, what? That's funny. Oh. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, wait, wait. That means you, because you can't post flyers on things. Oh, oh, etymology, as it were. <laughs> no tweeting about this area. Yes, exactly. Don't post us. No, no off-topic conversations. And off. I don't, you, Twitter is for two things, promoting your work and uh, taking a photo of your sandwich. Bring it all the way back. I don't want anything. You know, I miss that. I do want to see photos of people's sandwiches. Yeah, people make good sandwiches. And also, sometimes people make bad sandwiches. sandwiches. I want to see a bad sandwich. (laughs) You know, there's... um, um, This is only tangentially related, but I I always liked this title. Uh, Brendan Kelly from uh, the bands, uh, the Lawrence Arms and the Falcon. Um, I don't know if he still runs this blog, but... He had a long-running blog called The Bad Sandwich Chronicles that was, like, not not really about sandwiches at all, I think, but um, it was a really cool look into, like, what being, like, a working musician is like. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, he should bring that back with, with actual sandwiches if he hasn't already. Maybe. Well, I'm looking right now, and it's inside a substack, so maybe he is. Maybe. Mm. There, there's a beyond, bad sandwiches chronicle beyond Thunderdome. Um, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so that's that's maybe it. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah. I there is yeah. I think there is a. I don't know. I, I, I think a, a lot about a lot of <laughs> a lot of things lately uh, in relation to art, and I think uh, small. Sp- it's, it's it's better if people cultivate more small spaces, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally love newsletters. I subscribe to so many. Yeah. It's uh it's kind of like um like when you get fun mail like in the actual mail. I I do feel like that about opening newsletters in my email. So um if anyone has, you know, fun newsletters they like, I I will subscribe to literally any number of them yeah i i wonder about like doing like more newsletter stuff within my own because i technically have a newsletter but it is kind of like i post once a month to say new issues out Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and like that's the that's the email but i think there's probably more space to like put other stuff in there yeah, that's actually kind of what we're thinking about at, at Sorting Kettle um, as part of our, like, social media uh, replacement, um, kind of, or just, just a, a change in strategy where we're kind of trying to do a little bit more email, um, a little a little more stuff that way. 
Yeah, because email is a. I I say this email is pretty reliable. I don't think it's going anywhere. I, I hope not. That would um, imagine if we didn't have email. Yeah. Well, honestly, something about that's kind of freeing. Okay. I, I would miss my newsletters, right. but um, <laughs> uh, but that that's about it. <laughs> well, I, I I will say personally, I don't want to have to track people down to their discords or whatever to find them. And I like, I like. Oh, it. that's true. Yeah. I like it. I like it as a way of like contacting people. But. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, email has a lot of good stuff going for it. Um, uh, just not, you know. Um, I saw like a big sticker to put on your laptop a while ago that just said, please do not email me um, in giant letters. Yes. And I did, you know, I'm, I'm kind of holding the two things of please do not email me, but also I want to read all your newsletters. Right. Right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I say this as someone who generally hates receiving emails that I did not ask for. <laughs> I'm like, it is like, yeah, I love I love when people just have a website with an email on it that I could just email. But then also, if you are just emailing me out of nowhere about nothing that I care about, I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't want. Yeah, and you've you've kind of experienced firsthand that I'm not very timely at emailing people back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, I so thank you for bearing with me there no i decided this year that i'm going to be the person who just email like i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how someone there was like one of their their friends was like you know i'm just going to accept that i have my phone on me all the time i'm not going to pretend that i don't i'm just going to answer emails and messages right away if i can and i'm like yeah all right that sounds fine and I, and that, just, uh, that's something I could think about doing for sure. But also it's very stressful because if people come to expect it from you, it can be a mm. lot. I, I would say I'm keeping expectations pretty low right now. Yes. Yes. I, as someone who usually tries to pay people as like as quickly as possible, I'm like, I've got a couple of pending payments coming my way for the aforementioned work I did. And I was like, so when do people usually pay people for their work? Because um, it's been more than 30 minutes, which is my usual turnaround period. Uh, <laughs> uh, the last cover artist I had paid, uh, they had not, they had forgotten to send me their payment info. And I was like, uh, Oh no. I was like, wait, did you never send me the payment info? And they're like, whoops. Cause they're like, Oh, I'll send it to you later. And then I, then the month came, I was like, you didn't send it. And they're like, whoops, here's my PayPal. And I was like, here's your money. And that's how I love to live. <laughs> I love to not have to think. I about love that. It. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's always, uh, more, more, uh, what's the word? Sometimes if you have like, you know, an organization with like, uh, bookkeeping and not just i am one person my budget my my company bank account is called my bank account <laughs> if you have to like run funding through other people it, it, I, I i can see how i can tie things up yeah definitely 
Um, we're um, uh, we're we're trying to make it a little more official with some actual bookkeeping software next year because right now our financial setup is also called uh, my bank account. <laughs> oh, so I I at least went so far as I have like a free online um, like account like base level bookkeeping thing that I use to track all my different like here's how much money I spent on commissions versus how much went out in royalties. Here's a different kind of, I have a pack. I have a stack of receipts that I, from like the post office that I need to put in mm. expenses. Yeah. Um, I've got a kind of janky uh, budgeting spreadsheet in Airtable yeah. um, that I track our expenses in, but I'm, uh, I'm trying to make my taxes a little bit easier for next year. Yes. So I think we're going to, try and upgrade it a little bit i'll tell you as and i'm sure you know this as one small press to another the great thing about a small press being mostly hobbyist stuff that doesn't make that much money is that the government will give you money back for it because you they're like oh you lost a lot of money on your business here's some more money yeah <laughs> no i usually end up owing the state of Massachusetts about 12 dollars every year <sighs> um I I just haven't gotten um, my math like quite right. Right. Um, but yeah, every every February when I file my taxes, I need to pay them five dollars, oh. five five to twelve dollars, um, which could be worse. But right, yes, it's I... just um, it's just continually um, confusing. I I I once to get to get let's to get into the real weeds of Massachusetts tax. <laughs> Um, filing. <laughs> I once forgot to adjust uh, income for a raise in Mass Health, and I had to pay a, like a couple hundred back. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. It's um, well, tax excuses, as they call it. You know, they're always <laughs> they're always coming for your throat and and your wallet. Uh, whatever. I I got like a hundred dollars back from them the other day. I did just get some money back from them, but you know what? I'm I'm happy to pay my extra twelve dollars yeah. uh, every year since I can't do math. Right, right. Um, <laughs> this is the math, the math tax. The math tax. <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway, let's, let's now. So, can you also make games? What what no? What kind of games do you make? Do you... Um, I am working on some kind of small like solo storytelling games. Um, a lot of games that you could play with yourself, um, sometimes with a little group of friends. Um, I'm kind of getting into keepsake games um, recently. I actually just took a, a class um, with Shing Yun Kor, who I think is really cool on making keepsake games. So um, the, the idea of that is that um, it's a, a storytelling game where you make um, an object like through the course of playing the game and oh, okay. then, you know at the end of the game you have this cool reminder um, or like symbol of of your gaming experience right right i did i i think i made one of those at some point <laughs> nice uh, I, I i forget what I, did I, I i distinctly remember at a con uh a group uh exquisite corpse uh, adjacent game of where we wound up with a, a, a um, collaboratively, collaboratively made OC. And I'm like, mm. um, that's very cool. 
Yeah, no, yeah, keepsake games. Now I. Oh, I think I, I think I found literally the thing you were just talking about. Good, good SEO on this. Uh, uh, yeah, on, on, yeah, on it's, it's a more recent term, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a great class. Um, yeah, no. I I learned a lot. They seem very cool because I, I I found like as as like journaling and solo games because of you know. Uh, uh, the novel coronavirus and all <laughs> mm-hmm. of being like I'm we're not going to actually meet up every week in one person's house and share and share food and drinks but I still yeah want and you know doing it over the internet does not always work for people so being yeah to- my I actually didn't like get into um like role-playing games at all until the pandemic when um um my friends started like an online based D campaign um but kind of what happened is that i wanted to play more games but we had kind of like hit our our uh collective limit of D sessions um so that's where i got really into like solo uh solo journaling games because you know it's something i could just do for a couple hours by myself without having to like yeah, I get everybody online and scheduled for a game and like plan a whole thing. Um, so, so that's kind of where I've been starting as a game designer. Um, just kind of, kind of trying to start a little bit smaller, um, and and really focus on uh, one person who's going to be playing it. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's like especially um, getting getting into this idea of just like, hey, I I made something after the fact, and people can be like compare the things that we made with one another and that like that itself can spark that kind of creative urge in in games Mm. i really like games that can also also feel like you're making art yourself like through games yeah absolutely and in the playing is always it's also i mean it's it's, it's why i enjoy even things like like magic is that it's like because there's like design to it where it's like, mm. and like other kind of like card games where you have to like build your own kind of like design structure within the design structure of the game that's designed. And it's all very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is very cool. It's all, I am I'm a fan of art. I'm a fan of you work, Kay. And you know, I'm a fan of this talk that we've had this whole time, but I've, we're not going to hit the break without, um, touching on those two very important questions. So I hope you've had time to prepare for these two questions <laughs> and you're ready to answer them both fully. So I'm uh, ready. Toho. Mochi's got to know, what do you know about it? <laughs> do you have a favorite character? Um, this is the first time hearing of it. Um, so yeah, I, I know nothing beyond the information you've presented to me today. Um, <laughs> this is the, f- and uh, based on that, I, I can't make an informed decision here uh yes the, the, the political answer <laughs> you wouldn't want you, you wouldn't want to flip-flop and say you like the shrine maidens when you actually like the lady with the knives uh um, no no i i i don't want to commit too hard uh, to anything i'm not prepared to really fully stand behind okay um what, what are rocks do you have okay people have to know do you have a stance on rocks um, I have a stance on rocks, and it's that I love them. Okay. Um, my honestly, kind of my favorite rock is like a, a rock that you would just 
find um, on the ground um, and like like a kind of nondescript rock that has like a little shiny vein in it. Yeah. That's my favorite kind of rock. Perfect. Yes. Um, uh, and with that, we're going to take another break and then we'll be back with uh, both of our guests. Okay. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, not being in the zine, but thank you for just you know, all doing your own publishing work, you know? And it was, yeah. it was a, um, a, a welcome experience to, to talk to someone else who realized, oh, uh, hear another person say, you can just do this stuff because nobody's stopping you from doing it. You can just do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's such a good way of putting it. But, uh, We'll we'll be back in. Whoops, where's my little? There you are, Fubar. We'll be back in like a minute thirty-eight. Be. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. That was Jeff Parker with uh, Del Rio. Jeff Parker is uh, me going, getting, cl- I'm very getting increasingly close to going down that scary road of music of being, of like following like, uh, like artists around and seeing like different bands they had played with. And like, then here's their solo stuff and here's other stuff because I like, I did not realize Jeff Parker is occasionally or is or has been part of the Chicago underground t- duo in which they become the Chicago underground trio. Um, and it's like, I already have like, uh, like 1500 <laughs> albums in favorited to listen to. So do I need more? I don't know. But what I do need more of is talking to our nice guests and both of them are here. We're in the, the group chat. Hello, Quinn and Kay. Welcome back. Hey everybody. Kay is okay oh, is here yes um so so uh i guess i'll start off from the um because i actually did not end so let yeah luckily i sometimes i really lay myself up for the for the group segment by kind of ending on a half finished thought but this time i did not so it's kind of like hey how's everyone doing today what's everyone's Everyone's uh, video games, huh? Those are things that people play. Y- y'all play any video games? I, I'm playing video games now and again. Oh, <laughs> I'm not making them. Tell me about tell, Quinn. Tell me about some video games you've been playing. Man, so I just finished um, the. I just finished the kind of. Man, I'm, it's not really... It's not considered a sequel. Yeah. I guess it's sort of like a... It's not even really a full remake, but Catherine Full Body. Okay. I just finished that. Um, Catherine's one of my favorite games of all time, for those of you who don't know it. It's a puzzle. It's like a, it's like a puzzle game mixed with like a visual novel romance, kind of. Um, wh- and there are like... Yeah, there are... Uh, it's it's kind of a horror game. There are like demons and like uh, supernatural elements. It's very very uh, singular and unique. And I was obsessed with the game when I played it in high school. So they did sort of like a remaster in a sense where they added another character who was romanceable. So I just finished that, and that was a blast. 
And um, now I'm playing uh, Saints Row again, which is very different from Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very, it's just a very fun game. I love those games. They're so stupid. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm playing that a little bit, and I'm also playing a uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. So. That's Those a, are the three things at play right now. They're all very different. <laughs> yes, yes, that is a, a a lot of video games. I've 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 even been playing video games. I I actually Saint that Saints Row is like or the the fourth one is going to be free soon on Epic. And I was so I was actually just thinking about it this very day and going, oh yeah, that game was weird and like kind of stretched the idea of kind of like open world nonsense yeah to the fourth pure- game is is yeah objectively the most bad shit game in that series because you're like the president and you're fighting aliens it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah this it, this this kind of full extension of utter utter nonsense uh i don't th- wait no no i did not did i i don't remember if i played that one i do i do really like the joke Listen, for for uh, uh, sometimes video games, sometimes video games aren't funny. <laughs> they could try a little harder. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I, I think the gag of you know cure cancer or solve world hunger stands stands the test of time. It's it's a simple it's a simple gag, but also. <laughs> So long as they still keep making video games that are just basically still asking you to do that, uh, like with button prompts, it'll it'll still still resonate. Yeah, simple but effective. Yeah. Um. But it is um. It's all very very. I I I the 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 latest uh, site because. In doing indie apocalypse, believe it or, you'd be surprised that I don't have a lot of free time to just kind of uh, uh, sit around and do stuff, you know. Yeah, you both are indie publishers, so are you guys able to play games very often or no? It sounds like a very busy lifestyle you have. Um, I've been able to have a, a pretty good amount of free time. Um, definitely helped along by um by having staff members um who who done some of the work of running Sword and Kettle. Yeah. Um uh, they're they're super wonderful to work with and it's nice to not do everything myself. Um so yeah, I've I've had a good amount of time lately to dedicate to God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I'm totally loving. Having such a good time in Ragnarok right now. Yeah, I uh, I I highly recommend uh, if you have other staff members, you ought to do it. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, but even I, um, I, I very deliberately give myself like once eight o'clock hit or ten o'clock rather hits, I just I just stop working. I'm like I'm done for the day. I clock out. Mm. Even if I that's so people. important. Yeah, yeah. I, I very deliberately try to be like. I also don't. Aside from this show, and having to go to the post office on, or like, after, you know, the day after release to ship out the zines that people bought. Um, uh, if you go to indiepocalypse.com/slash/patreon, sign up for the twenty-five dollar level, and you want to get, I got the printing is perfect now. Finally, <laughs> and mm. I had an issue where, uh, uh. Much love to 
uh, scribus and my ability to actually use it now. But I did not realize for the longest time that though I set the bleed in the in the document, I have to make sure to tell it, yes, also accept the document's bleed when printing to PDF and things were getting cut off. And I thought it was just... Oh, no. Yeah. I thought it was it was it wasn't much because most of the time people didn't put like super important information over in the bleed area, but occasionally a thing would it would just kind of look awkward, and then then I got it perfect, but then I forgot to uh, kind of stretch the covers left side to the, the spine side all the way to the edge since it wasn't getting trimmed off, so there was like a weird awkward <laughs> white space. Oh no! But now now it's all good. And I'm thinking, what if I bought a printer? <laughs> Which I think is a dangerous thought to have. Why's that? Because then you can print what like then you can print your own zines and you can just be like <laughs> you can start as to the workload. Right, right. You're like, I can it's it's cheaper if I if I do it. It's free if I do it. I'm just Except ink. For- ink right. is insanely expensive. Yeah, yeah. And I had for a while I had a good um like act like a double side printer and everything. But then the bit that you plug it into fell off the board. Oh no. Uh-oh. And I asked the guy, Hey, can you fix this in my local computer repair area? And he was like, Uh, we don't really fix printers. I think he's and he said we as in the royal we as in computer repair. He was like, you should just get a new printer. They don't people don't usually repair them. And I was like, you can't just solder. No. And I was like, you can't just solder my thing back on. I think this guy's getting paid off by big printer. I think so. <laughs> I, th- I think big printers had a had a grip on us for so long. We need to <laughs> finally fight back. Gets it. It does technically work if I connect my printer into the Ethernet and then connect my computer onto the wi-fi but it's not an ideal solution (laughs) because the wi-fi is bad because it's not like built-in wi-fi it's like a dongle i got 10 years ago can i just say i feel like the idea of um fighting big printer is a not bad idea for a video game like i would play a satirical game about rising up against big printer that yes, I would that, play that game as well. <laughs> oh, I even like the idea of it somehow being a a kind of abstract uh, tabletop game in a way. Oh yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> that that directly involves printers themselves. Somehow. Oh my gosh! I think it would be great if you had to if. If your own printer was a player in the game, right? Your That's own, genius, man. <laughs> your your own your own busted printer you get from like, or just like a busted printer you get from the um, what's it called? You know, like like your local Goodwill. Mm, mm-hmm. We're really cooking here. Yeah, we should this, start a little game studio. Get this going. <laughs> yes, uh, make Let's, a big printer. <laughs> We can get we can get a logo and a, a funny a fun name and then do all that extra work and then then not really go far beyond that but <laughs> just just the fun parts right you know yes yeah <laughs> I've definitely played plenty of submissions where it feels like you, people have spent more time on their logos and all that than they did on the game itself oh my 
god, that that was that was my first probably four games that I put on itch, which is like, I really like making art, so I'm gonna just focus on the art, and it's like, okay, but what's what's the game part? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put something now, up but... recently on itch that I was really proud of how it looked, and someone left a comment that's like, this looks great, but like, there's not that much game, and I was like, oh, you're you're not wrong. <laughs> But you did say it looks great. Hey, there's a start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at least it looks good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's the beauty of things is not everything has to be. You just you can just like a part of it. True. No, I think I think that's like a big challenge though, because I I started out as you know just an artist before I started making games, and it's kind of hard to like shut off that part of your brain. Like I've started doing um you know, prototyping where every, like, in Unity or whatever, where everything's just, like, a gray square, and, like, my brain hates it. I'm like, I want this to look pretty, but I'm like, no, do the regular prototype and be patient and everything. That's kind of a skill you have to learn over time if you start out more of an artist, I feel like. For sure, yeah. I feel like I get about halfway through my drafting, and then I have to start kind of mocking up how things are going to look, just in the sense that, like, the vibe can influence the rest of the game from there a little bit but it's it's hard not to get too carried away and like mocking up the entire thing um and then realizing like oh i i still have to like write the rest of the game (laughs) um before it's done yeah i agree sometimes mocking up is helpful you're right because it's like it kind of yeah it inspires ideas to get like the visual out right like so you can kind of kind of helps you uh continue conceptualizing the project but yeah i i'm very i have like no self-control so i'll just keep going (laughs) (laughs) it's tough yeah i'm I'm definitely still kind of learning like what the right balance is for me between um like it being helpful and just kind of like being a procrastination method right right because you can always plan it to be a little bit more perfect a little more like thought out i I've taken the method of um, like I'll write out like I have a notebook and I'll just like write out in a couple pages. Here's broadly what I want to do. And then maybe I'll return to it if I need to like um, I guess like work out like code wise like logistically what I need to do. But, Mm -hmm. But then generally I take a very much like I I it was once like uh I felt like, you know, probably a million years ago at this point. But I saw a, a noted noted uncredited comic artist Casey Green posted some an idea of just like uh you should just commit like pen to paper and just go straight straight to pen and skipping this idea of like just skipping the sketch and just hard committing to like all the decisions you end up making and for me that has been a a very helpful approach of just like no i'm just writing just 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 typing the code straight into it and however it turns Mm -hmm. out it turns out but it can also be like uh very stressful (laughs) if you're like uh, (laughs) what is this thing gonna be (laughs) especially for games that have like so many moving parts to them and things like balance and uh, fun, but I, I, I 
games also games don't need to be fun yeah i'm a, i'm a believer in games can be games can be uh like uncomfortable yeah. or like arduous if that's sort of like what they're meant to convey right yeah i think games can be antagonistic experiences yeah <laughs> Yeah, like I really liked the. Uh, I think it was. I think this game was in the Indie Apocalypse issue I was in, and I think you had these guys on, um, and uh, but I don't remember. Um, but uh, it was the Sisyphean like typing yes. game. That game was so cool, and I really I appreciated the the concept behind the fact that like there is no real progression in that game. Like you know, as as a way to reinforce obviously what that what that uh that tale is about right yeah. And, and yeah making a point about how how work feels right like working like in an office or whatever right, right. Um, the, the most you get is like very surface level video game style progression that doesn't actually it, change anything. yeah you can put like a hat on your rock or whatever <laughs> um yeah oh, I, that I, sounds so interesting Oh, it's super fun. Yeah, I I recommend checking it out. Yeah, you I I forgot even that like um you are in the same issue as, as Andrea Blythe even. That was issue yeah. 2. Yeah, I, I really Oh, I, wow. It was it full was, circle. Yes, it We're all, all connected. Yes, truly truly the the email mind meld was <laughs> was was is strong and evocative and, and indicative rather. Oh yeah, there's like I I I love uh aggressive uh, unapproachable art <laughs> which is, you know, why why I do love that the, the aforementioned uh Jean Dielman which I now now I'm glad that I, I'm glad to truly be uh a a um not ahead of the curve but now I'm glad I have a legacy of talking about that movie a bunch before it entered the the cultural zeitgeist. So then I was not like I'm talking about it because it did and you know enter such zeitgeist for a moment. But yeah, I love I like stuff that hates you. <laughs> yeah, especially like I'm I'm obviously a huge horror fan, and that's yeah. like that catharsis is very. Um... It's what I really like about scary stuff, right? So right. I always right. like to see that in games. Right. It, it is intentionally like trying to unsettle you. Yeah. And I. Yeah. And I've, I've, I, I am. Of two my two minds about horror games, in that I think, I think. Um, is like the the culture around them has done great things for them, but also has like uh, put a lot of them in a real design rut. Of I, I, I play a lot that get like you know pretty much every horror game that gets submitted in Apocalypse has like a good four or five like YouTube playthroughs of it. But then yeah, also, also plenty of them are just like you walk through a dark area and something makes a noise at you and is loud and it scares you and you're collecting seven pages and sometimes there's mental illness. Oh yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And it, I, and... sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. You, 
I'm, I, I'll say this. I'm here every week. You're here right now. You talk. <laughs> Very fair. Yeah, I, I've definitely, I've noticed that for sure. And it, it has been interesting because I think, I think because the games I make, I submit to, you know, I call them horror games because they are, and I submit yes. them to like uh, horror um horror game jams a lot right so i think for some reason i've i've gotten kind of pulled into a lot of youtube playthroughs right and it's always very interesting because like the horror games i like to make are sort of the antithesis of what you've described yeah so i i have had people who have been like kind of like almost upset by the the game because it doesn't it doesn't meet the expectation of what they're looking for right and i think it's been very interesting to see that because it's like I definitely um I definitely want to push my games more on terms of making people more uncomfortable and stuff like that but I just I'm not drawn to horror that is that is uh very like jump scare dependent right yeah and I kind of like like I like a lot of gothic horror and things that make you like really think about what's really scary or upsetting in life right yes like, I... um so yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think I think I do kind of benefit from what you're talking about sometimes with the YouTube playthroughs. Yeah. Like I, I do think it helps my games a little bit. But I do notice that sometimes the people who play my games are like, yeah, this is like, no. this is not what I wanted. To be. This is this is not scary at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, but I uh, you're you're talking to a a a big Del Toro booster. So I am like, yes, I I, I truly love that kind of like not it feels weird to call it i think sometimes people call it like elevated horror but that's not right or it feels kind of like the 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 the, you know graphic novel equivalent of something like trying to yeah yeah i agree i I don't like that term either (laughs) the feeling of need to give something a different word because you think it's like uh, more sophisticated more mature yeah, I mean, I also like horror that's, like, stupid and fun, yes. too. I don't think that should be, like, looked down on either, right? Like, I love, like, the Child's Play movies. Like, right. Like, those movies are fun. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. think it's less than or whatever. They're, they're, they're definitely different things. I I am a... And also, I, I also encourage people to... Horror franchises? Well, I did a thing with a friend... For a little while, we were watching like the first and then like the sixth version of like a installment of a horror franchise. So we watched like like the first Hellraiser, and then we watched like the sixth Hellraiser. It's <laughs> awesome! I love that. <laughs> it is like entirely different movies, but uh, yeah, you also realize like I think it makes you appreciate the stuff that like. I think from like a vantage of, especially if you come from a vantage of like ele- like elevated horror, that something like Hellraiser looks kind of schlocky, you know, but it's also it rules. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think I think there's there's room there's room under the tent for all of it, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, I mean, I th- I think that I like, really need yeah. some um, horror for weenies. I am such a scaredy cat. Um, but I like love, I love knowing what makes like horror movies so scary. Like I'm a big like reader of like movie Wikipedia pages yeah. <laughs> right. uh, to scare myself. Like I can't watch, I can't watch anything that's too like jump scary or too gory. So, um, if, uh, if anyone's got some, yeah, yeah. Horror for scared people. Um, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I, 
I, I, I would highly, highly recommend, like I, as I mentioned earlier, just basically just like go through the, the filmography of Guillermo del Toro. He is like a, mm. a great sort of like horror, especially like earlier work that is, you know, like Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth and like Kronos and stuff like that is, is skews more towards horror than something like a, like a Crimson Peak, mm. for instance. But it's also not like, it's definitely not like jump scare and it's not, it's more like, Hey, what if, what if humans were the true monsters when you think about it? <laughs> yeah. I, I did really like Pan's Labyrinth. That one I have seen. Yeah. Pan's Labyrinth is great. Uh, yeah, I'd also say, like, um, some of the old, like, classic horror movies are really great because, like, they're still, they have, like, a great story and, and you know, they're iconic and everything, but they don't hold up as, as well with scares, which is, like, kind of a benefit. <laughs> so, like, that's two movies good. two movies that come to mind are Candyman and People Under the Stairs. I think those movies mm-hmm. are great. They both are super... Um, First of all, they're like they have stories that are kind of timeless, which is kind of cool. And they both um they both are really funny and well done. Like they have a good amount of humor in them both and they're both uh very iconic. And they're not they're they're scary enough to be like, "Oh, spooky. This is fun," but not like you're not going to be like awake at night, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. I think that definitely was... sounds like what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I think even something like the like the first Halloween also sort of fits into this category where it's like Mm -hmm. he's like this is just like a a, i I am i'm very glad that like carpenter has been getting his due so much lately because he feels like he's very like overdue for you know a um like going oh no he's a good filmmaker actually in a lot of his movies like yeah uh, oh my gosh i i love they live Oh yes, yes. We so also good. we also did like a, a Carpenter Devil feature of Halloween, and then uh, Big Trouble in Little China, which is, and if you're like, hey, this guy made those same movies. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. No, I think um, I think a lot of a lot of those movies are like weirdly helpful if you are like a narrative game designer because i feel like especially some of carpenter's movies they they tell a good line sometimes between like being funny and strange and also being scary which is like a line that i've struggled to tell for as long as i've been making games because i don't really like making like you know grim like gritty horror stories i like them to be kind of strange or like funny in a way so it's like (laughs) i I feel like i learn from watching those things you know, I, cool. I really want to make go back and make a gif of it because I don't have it. But like the scene in Halloween where like Jamie Lee Curtis does like a really bad job of holding a joint is probably one of my favorite like bit of small acting in the movie. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> just like, so like, I don't know if it's like a clear intentional thing or if it's like a, a, a choice she made in the moment. But it's such a, a beautiful little touch and I love it. It's good for that character. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah, there there is room for like character and like you can see the the personality like these actors bring to things like 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 in that first Hellraiser, like there's like there's good actors in that movie. Yeah. No, and, for sure. And like when I watched the first Friday the thirteenth or rather Nightmare on Elm Street, um, I realized like, oh, I know why these movies take off because like Robert Englund is like he brings it. And there's yeah. like there's like a, a, 
like a real kind of dynamic quality to like his character and mm-hmm. um anyway I, I was looking through my my collections to see like what is good i, I think it's per, personal shopper is kind of a horror movie i haven't seen personal shopper but i've been meaning to person i i mean i think I, i'm on the record saying i love the trajectory greatest trajectory of of kristen stewart and robert pattinson post you know teen <laughs> heartthrob film stars of like just just making weird cool movies yeah yeah they really they branched out from that but i gotta say like i watched twilight with a couple friends the other day not as bad as i remember <laughs> it's probably like a romp you know like it's a, it's it's a, a romp a, yeah it's the kind of movie you watch with friends totally that baseball scene very fun I've I've heard I've heard legend. Uh, I'd go so far as to say it's iconic. <laughs> oh, I'd I'd say I'd say it's iconic for sure. The, the amount that I see people reference it, it seems iconic. Yeah, the, the <laughs> muse blasting supermassive black hole. It's good. <laughs> I find those soundtracks totally slap. Oh, they're so good. They hold up so they're well. So good. Radiohead plays out Twilight like fifteen steps. <laughs> The the final song of that movie, very good. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's sound designers make like weird choices sometimes, and like I remember falling into like a weird hole, like uh, when I, I can't remember when I saw it, but that like I'm like the Walking Dead of all places, like they had someone had done a cover of like a Waxahachie song within the show. And it played like a mountain goat song, and the guy also, and someone that like one of the like the sound person also wanted to play like a neutral milk hotel song during at some point, but they couldn't get the rights or something. And I'm That's like, pretty cool. I'm like, what a weird uh, collection of like songs for what is kind of just like a very mainstream like uh, prestige cable horror. Um, I was this like, is a. I actually had a quick question for yeah. Kay, just out of curiosity. Um, I was looking around, and and you know, when when you guys were having your conversation, I was um, I was reading about like Corvid Queen on your guys' website and stuff, and I was curious, like when you say like, oh, um, I'm sort of scared of horror movies and stuff. Does that also apply to stories when you're like reading for the publication? Like, is it can it be tough to get through and stuff like that? Oh, because I know you guys get some horror stories. I'm curious. Yeah, I have a much easier time reading it um, than watching it. Um, So yeah, we do we do kind of lean into some more of the like spooky horror, um, especially like folk horror um, vibes in the magazine. So I I do find that kind of much um, easier to like process in writing when I don't have like visuals and like sounds attached. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, some horror stories I've read have really gotten under my skin in a different way than movies, and I don't know why that happens with me. It's sort of an opposite effect, but I was just curious. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I do ask people to not send us stuff with kind of like extreme, extreme gore, um, because I I do find that like still kind of hard, but a a moderate amount is okay. Yeah, I totally understand that. I've seen that in a lot of horror game jams too. It's like, please do not be excessive. <laughs> yeah, because I think it can be a shorthand sometimes, even for like 
getting a reaction in the same way that jump scares are. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was trying to like, um, full car just like activated a moment in my brain for a moment. Like, cause we, at one point, my friend and I were watching a lot of full car movies. Cause like mm-hmm. movies in which you were just kind of like, there, there's a lot of different, I think, um, genres for, for folk horror like how you would classify it i'm mm-hmm. i'm a fan of you're alone in a town and the devil's probably there and the people are weird mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah those are those are, and it's probably woods i like to think there's a lot of woods in folk horror that's another good recommendation Kay. if you haven't seen wicker man that's oh. a pretty iconic folk horror movie yeah, so good been... very good cool yeah, I, I that just it's one of those situations where make sure you're watching the correct one. Oh, is is there like a bad remake or something well, yeah, or a sequel? A, I have not seen it, but there is a um, a, a one starring Nicolas Cage that is, I believe, kind of like. Uh, and now I am a I am a I am a I am a staunch Cage defender in these parts. I th- <laughs> I think he. I th- <laughs> Uh, we, we watched a friend and I went to the theater to see Mandy. And, oh, Mandy's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. And afterwards, some people were, were like kind of poking fun at him, like the way he was like his scene where he's in the bathroom breaking down. And like, like, he, like we're like, we're, we're like when we got in the car, cause we're not going to fight with strangers about it. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> no, like that's what makes him good is that he just like is putting it out there. He's like, yeah, yeah. He like just takes these swings that like other actors are not going to take. It's true. I respect him. Right. I respect Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah. He's 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 not worrying about being like understated. He's like really really bringing it out there. Um Yeah, I fuse always giving it 110%. Yeah, I'm oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I I love it deeply. Um I'm a big fan of the movie Moonlight, um, where he kind of seems like he's in a, a different movie than everyone else. Um, it's wonderful. It's a it's a delight. But not. Oh that- wait, is that is that the one with Cher? Oh yeah. Oh, so good. Oh, I Moon remember Struck. that great movie. Moonstruck. Yeah. Moonstruck. Uh, not Moonlight. Right. Moonlight is a different one. Yeah, Moonlight's Moonlight. Moonlight is, also is very a good. recent Academy Award winning movie. Yes. Oh, you mean uh, Mala no, Land? I'm thinking of Moonstruck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I forgot that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, there's. Uh, I was I was looking through my. I like. I'm like, how do I look through horror movies? I'm like, let me at least like the shorthand for finding horror movies that are also not uh, jump scares. I'm like, well, what do I what do I own in Criterion that is horror? <laughs> <laughs> And like, well, house is definitely its own thing, and I. Oh yeah, and yeah, I, house. I love house or houseu technically because there is an American film called House. But yeah, house, house is house is super interesting. I liked it a lot, but yeah, I I think it's probably not for everyone. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, no. I I think there are some people who think it's weird and funny, and that is good. And some people think it's weird and funny and bad. And I think true. <laughs> It might say, um, I think, uh, 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 like, Eyes Without a Face is also super good, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, maybe not all of the, the giallo stuff can kind of get a little gory sometimes. True. <laughs> but like Suspiria is also cool and stuff like that. Uh, but does Phantom of the Paradise count as a horror movie? I liked uh, I liked the Suspiria remake, and it's funny because when I was thinking about the remake, I was like, yeah, Tilda Swinton is another one of those actors where people are like, people kind of make fun of her, but I think she's iconic and really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I I just actors that are going for it is what you need more just like people yeah for real people kind of leaving it out there i i would say i would i think technically we'll see what wikipedia says does wikipedia say phantom of the paradise is a horror movie um i don't know where is it yes it says american rock music comedy horror so american rock Mm. Comedy music horror. That's uh, awesome. I, I, that is the, the two films that live in my brain forever are, are, are Jean Dielman and Phantom of the Paradise. And I, I try to recommend them. I very rarely like to recommend things, but I try to recommend those often. Phantom of the Paradise is far more palatable, but also very weird. Yeah, I haven't heard of this one. Oh, it's... oh, I kind of I recommend I recognize the iconic mask. Yes, this yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's an early Brian De Palma movie. It's it's it is a a a, a kind of like take on Phantom of the Opera and and Faust and Dorian Gray and all that stuff. Nice, starring like Paul Williams, also as like the evil like Faust ish sort of figure. Paul Williams. What, who, what was he in? What, what, what is that guy? He was famous, famous musician. Um, why do I always think he was in a group? Was he not in a group? I think he was in a group. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Beach Boys? Is this the guy from Beach Boys? I don't think so. Why Brian Williams? Why am I blanking? Maybe, Maybe he wasn't in a group. Maybe I just... Oh, I'm thinking of Brian Wilson, yeah, my bad. Yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe I just always thought, like, I always confused him with people at a young age, so I assumed he was in a group. And but Maybe he was, like, not necessarily in a group at all. Anyway, I think he was, um, I think it's a cool movie. <laughs> um, uh, uh, as, as a... A, a extremely hyper local recommendation for Kay and very few other people. Um, uh, every th- two or three years in Providence, there's a, a, a like a like a like a Lovecraft festival called like the Necronomicon, um, <laughs> and a, that's a great name. Yeah. It's, but as part of that, they they host. Oh, um, they host. I'm here. I'm hearing myself real quick. Uh oh. Okay, it's, let me let me let me calm down a little. Um, they they host a, like a film, like a very unique film screening of a movie that I'm going to forget the name of because the movie itself is fine. <laughs> Whatever. Why do I take film screening into the? Into the how is that going to help anybody? <laughs> um, uh, quick, quick. Who's the guy in uh, Blue Velvet that sings Mr. Sandman? 
I ask. Mm, I do not know. I don't know. I can't help. <laughs> or, or, is it, or is it technically a song's not called Mr. Sandman, maybe, but what, who is that actor? So I can get, this is my, this is my, um, my, what's it called? My kind of like train of thought and how I get to this movie. Dean Stockwell, right? Dean Stockwell. So now I go Dean Stockwell and now I go, uh, go from Dean Stockwell to his filmography. And then I find the name of this movie, <laughs> Dunwich Horror. Mm. Right. So there's 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 this 1970s film called Dunwich Horror. It's like perfectly fine. It's like the kind of movie that you watch with your friends and you kind of have like a fine time of it. It's 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 the sort of thing where like Dean Stockwell is like bringing it, and he's the kind of thing that carries you through like a lot of otherwise like middling performances. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this recommendation is that. Um, at this convention they hold a version of this film where like they've been playing it for like you know years upon years upon years and it's degrading like the film is falling apart like the colors are off and like like when there's like these weird scenes where i think they're like flashing the negatives the colors are all weird and screwed up and it creates like this very Super interesting. Yeah, it creates a super like weird otherworldly experience, and there's a live band that rules while that, that plays Whoa. during the song. Cool, that, cool. That does this kind of like the like the the cover like the thing is already this kind of like I think this guy did this sort of like Hawaiian inspired thing or something, but they 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 have this very psychedelic approach to it. Mm-hmm. So you, you have this like cool live band doing this like very psychedelic like a musical accompaniment to this, this film that is like breaking apart as you watch it. It's rad. Mm -hmm. And then there's people in big fancy, like, uh, you know, our elder God costumes that kind of dance around the theater. Once weird Cthulhu shit starts happening (laughs) in the movie. And it's, it's a, Unique experience that you literally can't get anywhere else, and that is uh, I highly recommend it. Wow. Yeah. And thank you. That sounds very cool. But that's it. That was that was my no no. I was I was lying. I do have one more horror recommendation before I chain myself <laughs> in. And that's the and that's the BBC, uh, like the sixties BBC version of Whisper and I'll Come to You. Hmm. It rules. I don't think I know that one. It rules. I love it. It's. <laughs> I'm looking it up. I don't know it, but that's a great title. Yeah, it, it is. It, yeah, it's. For, I think it's from like an early 1900s story. Um, mm. I believe. Er, no, Mr. James. Yeah, it's an early 1904 ghost story. Oh, nice. And and the the long the long title is Whisper, and I'll come to you, my lad. But it's like, you know, an old turn-of-the-century ghost story. Mm. But um, without saying too much of it, um, it's probably one of uh, the movies I think most about. And I am, in the entirety of my life, the most glad I have ever seen. I gotta check that out. 
Sometimes I feel yeah. like I need to do I need to do like a ghost story or a good haunted house story like narrative game or something but I feel yeah. like it's such it's such well trodden ground and there's already so many amazing things that have been done with those with those like uh tropes I guess and right. so I don't yeah. know I'd have to really work my ass off to feel like I'm worthy of like joining that that community of people I guess Yeah yeah an <laughs> early um Adventure Game Studio held like a, they probably still do hold like on their forums a monthly game jam and for one of them I tried to make a game based on uh to to date when I was making this game I was trying to make a House of Leaves game Oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I I kind of got somewhere I think but also but like I think there's there's what I'm saying is I think there's still plenty of space for you to to muck around in uh haunted houses Yeah and, and yeah, general ghost stories. I am. Uh, I used to think I wasn't super into haunted house stories, and then I read um, Haunting of Hill House. You know, Shirley Jackson, Jackson, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing! This is so cool!" Yeah, like mm-hmm. just need the the right to read the right stories or whatever to right. to see people do unique, interesting things in that genre. Yeah, Personal Shopper also a very good like ghost story. Yeah, I had no idea that that movie had ghosts in it until like a year ago when I looked it up. I was like, that has ghosts. <laughs> I was shocked. Yeah, it's it's a it's a uh, Andrew big recommend. If this was a, a live stream that I put more time into producing, a little thing would come up that says Andrew big recommend. <laughs> that could be like a separate project to do or something. Andrew's big recommends. Yeah, I think that's what like. <laughs> co-host is good for mm-hmm. is is me writing like uh, yelling at people giving an excuse to tell people to listen to that i Nako album that I, that demo <laughs> because i think it's so good uh but anyway we, we've been doing this show for a while um I try to keep it a reasonable length, a reasonable listenable length. It's been a good run. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll say everyone, hey, Whisper on Come to You. That thing's just on YouTube. It's like forty-five minutes. It's like forty minutes long. You can watch it right now. Oh hell yeah! I I I highly. Um, it's one of those things where I I recommend to someone else, and they had difficulties with the English accent because it is a very I'll say. There's a very uh, specific English accent that in that film, so if you have difficulties with that, some of it may be lost on you. But if you don't, you're in for a ride. <laughs> maybe that adds that adds to the mystique. Maybe I, I think it. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I think 100% does. <laughs> but it's whether the mystique adds too much that it you can't understand. You can't understand it at all. <laughs> but with that said um let me close these tabs death to tabs oh <laughs> this isn't a horror movie yet. no this one oh no um i had one more tab open and the criterion description also says this is a horror musical yeah it's the lore nice. i love the lore the lore Okay. L-U-R-E. L-U-R-E, yes, the lure. If you Mm -hmm. want a very different approach to The Little Mermaid, kind of like (laughs) that Han Christian Anderson story, if you want a very very different approach to it, 
uh, it's awesome. <laughs> cool. It it is it is my it is my like test case for a sweet spot of a movie that has like eighty nine percent from critics and sixty percent from audience. <laughs> That's the kind of thing where you're like, yeah, I'm in for a good time. <laughs> Divisive. Right, right, because it's like a lot of snobs like this movie, but a lot of re- regular, but it's very polarizing among the general public. <laughs> The normies, if you will. <laughs> the, I, I dare. I did not want to disrespect them and call them the normies, but yeah, the normies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, even if I don't like it, I'm in for something. Exactly. Uh, and I, I'd always, I, I yearn to be in for something than nothing at all. Uh, potato chips cinema I'm sorry Scorsese that people pick on you all the time <laughs> I have he deserves movie. it sometimes not gonna lie Buddy, I like him me too he's re- he's, a, he's a good <laughs> dude very respectable man <laughs> he's a cool guy people ought to read that thing where he defends Fellini it's like it kind of puts a lot of things in perspective or just like um I said this last week too. Look up the look up the World Cinema Project. At all, and go. Oh, maybe not that bad a guy. Maybe he's maybe he's not a weird mob movie snob or whatever. Maybe he just likes movies. <laughs> maybe, true, true, true. Maybe he's just very passionate about cinema and is worried this very specific American blockbuster version of cinema is becoming the entirety of cinema. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I don't begrudge him that opinion. That's for sure. <laughs> but anyway, I don't need you. I I know I will be famous enough. You know, you are famous enough when someone has to ask you what you think about Marvel movies. Then, then you've truly made it. I hope we all get to that point one day. All of us yes. on this call. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Because they will also still be around until the the end of time. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, we've we've definitely got a lot of time uh, to get there. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm hoping we're approaching the part to the point where, um, whereas the things that I like about a regular Marvel and DC comics, where I don't care about ninety nine percent of the main line, but sometimes you let a weird author write a small character that nobody cares about, and they do something cool with it. Hmm. So I'm hoping we some of that starts to crop up a bit more here and there. Let's um. I think that kind of thing will be the only thing to get me to watch superhero movies at this point. Right. I'm burned out. Right. Let's um. Let's let some weirdo do their version of like some C some C lister X Men that nobody's ever heard of. You know. What is <laughs> yeah, I'd be down for that. What what I want to see what a mat what the marrow movie is. What's it? What's a good movie with the Morlocks? Anyway, before I see play the game where I see how many X Men I can name, which the last time I played it with friends was a surprisingly large number. Because <laughs> in in my mind there are technically three. Uh, uh, superhero comic uh, 
companies. It's Marvel, it's DC, and there's X Men. Are technically, <laughs> in my mind, their own like little separate universe. But anyway, um, uh, my final recommendation is: Hey, look up that Bill Sienkiewicz art from New Mutants. It looks super cool. Um, it's rad looking. But speaking of oh. rad looking, okay, okay, uh, Sword and Kettle. It's a rad looking collection of literature. I have. In this very room, a piece of your own work. Further, I can't reach it because it's like on top of like my records and stuff. But um, where can people find your stuff? What is your all that? All that you know how podcast ends. You know how podcast ends, and people tell you where they think their things are. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can you can find our stuff at swordandkettlepress.com. Um, and you can find my games at earthlybody.itch.io. Perfect. And I will, I do not have, I do not have that second one prepped, but I will get there very quickly. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the meantime, Quinn, you, you've heard about all of these horror games, but where do we get them? Yes. So, um, yeah, firstly, I am on Twitter uh, occasionally. I don't know how much longer that'll be, but it's a good place for me to just like post any news about stuff I'm working on. So that's Ghoulish Dev. So just Ghoul and then I-S-H and then D-E-V. Um, and then my games on Itch are um, ghoulishkid.itch.io. And I mostly just do like horror narrative games on there. Great, and I and I I went through a I followed the rabbit hole from your um, K that is from your uh, your itch page your Twitter and I I'm seeing here that your your most recent act action on Twitter is promoting the work of um, Indie Apocalypse contributor uh, uh, Stargate <laughs> Sasha. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so it's like. Once again, the world, it's small so world. small. Yeah. yeah, it's so small. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Her, her I loved the aesthetic of the, the game was um, the girlfriend of my girlfriend is my girlfriend. I, I, oh, I, I love that scene. Yeah. I, I, I think I may have. Yeah, it's so cool. I think I may have put some of the articles in the wrong spots, but the sentiment is there. <laughs> But yeah, that is like, I was like, yes, yes. Cause when I think you can do a lot of really cool stuff with like tabletop design, you like, don't just, it can be like, it's just a blank canvas. You can make it look like however you want. Mm-hmm. And that game looks super cool. And also it was a good game <laughs> on top of it. Always a bonus. Always a bonus when the cool looking thing is also good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't hurt to sometimes just have a cool looking thing. Um, speaking of cool looking things, Indie Apocalypse has a lot of good, a lot of good, cool looking covers that you've been seeing throughout uh, the stream if you've been watching it. But also, it's got a lot of good games in it too, like the um, and the most recent one just came out, but. But uh, but one day ago, not even 24 hours, more like 23-ish hours ago, Indie Apocalypse 35, 
the final Indiepocalypse of this year of ours, 2022. Are we in two? Yes, we are in 2022 still. <laughs> good, good. I was worried there for a second that I missed a year. I had taken a gap year on life. Um, but yeah, that's out. It's good. There's a lot of games in it. I. It's always weird to say, it's good, but it is good. Uh, there's like, kind of like, you know, there's... It's a game with with that strong typography, a tabletop game with that kind of strong typography that I was talking about with, you know, uh, God Kiss. Uh, sword fighting for people who are really bad at sword fighting is that kind of game that kind of, kind of hates you and almost doesn't want you to play it. But there's something, uh, there's a bit of, there's magic to that, you know. There's all sorts of, there's horror games in here. There's everything. There is a lot of video games within this zine. You know what? You just buy it yourself and you'll play them all. And even if you don't buy it, did you know if you go to the page, it still links to all the developers' pages. And sometimes, a lot of the times, their games are free and you can play their games. And I'm also fine if you just use that as a directory to find cool developers and play their games and not pay for the zine. That works for me too. It's about promoting the work, you know, and and <laughs> and providing a little platform where you can give them a little. I don't have a big legs, but I can use them to put other people's give other people leg ups. I guess I don't think that's how that turn of phrase works, but um, that's um, so that's indiepocalypse.com. Uh, actually, technically not indiepockets.com because I haven't put on my own personal website. So that's technically, technically, you want to go to Pizza Pranks out of Shed.io to get 35. That is, I, that is the one thing I did forget this month was to actually put it on my own website. But that would have just been a, a, a link to the itch page anyway. You can subscribe on indiepocalypse.com slash Patreon. And if you want, for instance, to like just get... Uh, if you're like, uh, $15 is a lot for 10 games or I don't want 10 games a month or whatever. Or you're like, oh, I just want the new games because I'm a, a, a value gamer and I'm not paying for games that have been out for a while or are already out. And you just want the commission games. If you pay five bucks a month, you get all, you just get the brand new commission games like this month's The Tunnel from, oh no, I've never said this out loud. Orbis Teridus, Orbis Teridus games i'm i hope one of those pronunciations was correct um it's very cool there's like you know increasingly cool games and those games are really there for a month anyway then they're free to the world uh, uh if you want to be included in in the apocalypse at some point in the future if you make games or if you like make a cool like a game adjacent thing or just like an art thing that you're like Hey, 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 Sword and Kettle Press seems very cool. How do I become a friend of the zine? You just message me <laughs> and be like, <laughs> hey, Andrew, I have like a, a I do a, a small press record label or something. Here's a flyer you want to put in our zine and then give us a shout out. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I, I thought earnestly about like, can I do this? Can I do this show at PAX East, a Indiepocalypse radio that is? And then also, can I get a, a musical artist to play it 
to be like my talk show band and th that could be prohibitively expensive but i like uh, i'm sure i could f try to figure something out this is me spitballing ideas if, if if they would if they if they would even have me but that's it oh did i say dot com slash submit oh yeah i did it if you want to be included say dot, it's indiepocalypse.com slash submit all you do is you click on a page it's just a jam page so you say join jam add the gate add some game i already made and then you're done <laughs> that's it I'm, uh, technically you have to also give me your email and like a, a download code if the game isn't you know for free uh because uh hey i'm not i'm not mr Moneybags over here and <laughs> and and also if this if this was all a grand scheme just so i could occasionally get a, f a couple of free games a month it's the world's worst scheme in the <laughs> ever conceived far too expensive it would be just cheaper to buy all these games um but that's it that's it um ooh ooh get a i would say hey get on co-host uh you know do a little a little work there cuz i'm seeing here i'm seeing a good bit from share zone making a a um the guy the guy what's the dr bronner whatever the the soap that has too many goddamn words on it <laughs> they did one <laughs> i of love those. that soap <laughs> so much nice work. it has so many words on it <laughs> but anyway that's our show speaking of things with too many words on it <laughs> that's been indie apocalypse radio um <laughs> of I'm going to shut it down. Where is my, where is my, um, there you are again, Fubar. Why are you always hiding from me? Why do I keep opening? Why do I keep tabbing around all these windows? Um, uh, okay, Quinn, thank you both for being here, for doing the work you do and for being in the zine and just kind of like, you know, thank, thanks for it all. Thank uh, you. It's a pleasure okay. to be here. Right. Yeah. Thank you. This was super fun. All right, and with that, I'm going to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. The regular outro song is as it always is.